Broadcasting to you from Under the Dome, it's the Under the Dome Radio Podcast, the fan podcast by and for fans of the CBS television must-see summer event, Under the Dome. Thank you for joining us. Under the Dome Radio episode number three is brought to you by Media Voiceovers at MediaVoiceOvers.com and our affiliate links now with brand new Under the Dome Radio t-shirts and coffee mugs, various versions of Stephen King's Under the Dome novel, and much more. Check it all out at our website at underthedomeradio.com. I'm Troy Heinrichs here in Chester's Mill, anxiously awaiting Dome Day on June 24th, because let's face it, now that I have finally finished the book, I need something to do. But until that time, I do have my faithful friend, loyal to the end, Dome or not, he's the podcasting, voice acting, fringe, lost, and the fellow Green Bay Packers shareholder and host of the Packers fan podcast, Mr. Wayne Henderson, Wayne, I have one question. Yes. Did you stock up your pantry visiting the gas and grocery today? <laughs> well, yes and no. Uh, let me explain. Instead of propane, I accidentally bought a butane lighter. Also, got the latest issue of Entertainment Weekly, some sugar-free gum. And as far as food, at the last minute, I stocked up with a bunch of boxes of cornflakes, but forgot the milk. And at least it wasn't a bunch of stale Fruit Loops either. No, that, that anybody that might have read the book, uh, they will understand the breakfast cereal uh, references, which may or may not make it into the TV episode. Though Lost, one of our other favorite shows, had some uh, breakfast cereals in there as well. So you never know what they may do. We'll have to wait and see. Yes, we will. And I want to <laughs> remind everybody that the Under the Dome radio listener voicemail line, you know, you can kind of call it a think of it as a request and dedication line i suppose it's 904-469-7469 we want to hear the listeners voices okay let us know your thoughts and theories about under the dome because it is going to be on any day now also you can go to under the under the dome radio.com there's a widget on the right hand side you can leave a voicemail there there's also links to all the other ways that you can leave vo voicemail feedback and we want to hear all of it from you but before we travel around the mill i also want to remind everybody that the under the dome radio podcast is not affiliated with the cbs stephen king or the under the dome miniseries not even that old dome dome on the range song right troy where the chef is busy cooking all day. Okay, so if you're a former Fringe casting with Wayne and Dan listener, I promise that's all the singing you'll get from me this time around. <laughs> but if you do want to listen to my American Idol audition, it's episode 100 for Letters of Transit about April 2012 if you're checking out Fringe casting with Wayne and Dan for the first time. <laughs> that's true because doing math and singing on a podcast are things uh, we should probably avoid. Exactly. But... You know, singing aside, we do have some big news this week, Wayne. Yes, we do. Break it to us. Under the Dome Radio is now on SoundCloud. And that's great because you will be uh, able to get the most recent two episodes. So this episode you're currently listening to and our characters episode will be up on SoundCloud, as well as uh, the day that we actually started recording this podcast. We are now on the Stitcher Radio Network. Yes. So we have made it even easier for all of you dome heads to listen to Under the Dome Radio. But of course, we would still love it if you would also subscribe to the show in iTunes or via the iOS podcast app. And then please do us a favor. Take a few minutes, write a great review in iTunes, 
no matter what country you're in, and we will definitely see it, appreciate it, and thank you for it, mm-hmm. because we at Under the Dome Radio, we always cheer for the Dome team, and let's face it, Dome heads rule. I think, I think that's going to be a, uh, a lot of those uh, puns, if you will, might be making in the show in the future. We will see. But we'll save that for later on in the podcast when okay. we have all of our fun Domehead interaction stuff that will be coming up. Indeed, because, indeed. Because I didn't actually give a title for this episode, Wayne. So what the heck are we doing in episode number three since the show hasn't even started yet? Well, this episode, because obviously starting with the next one, with the series being on, that's going to be our main focus each and every week and any special interviews and things like that we get uh, set up as well. But for this episode of Under the Dome Radio, we are going to be focused on the Under the Dome novel, or we may even want to call it a mega novel because it was big. It's a big book from 2009 by the very prolific Stephen King. So we're going to be talking about what we thought about the book and some of the things, how we think it might tie into the TV show. Now that we're both finished with the book, I think it's safe to say that we're kind of on the same page, uh, so to speak. We're also going to have our broadcasts section of the show. We're going to thank the folks who have been helping get the word out about Under the Dome Radio. And we're going to go to the tower. At the tower is where we play listener feedback. We've got a couple pieces of listener feedback that we're thankful to get and be glad to share with you just a little later on in the show. And again, call us with yours, 904-469-7469, or go to underthedomeradio.com and use the widget there. Right, Troy? Absolutely. And we got some great send voicemail widget feedback coming up later on in the show. So, interesting concept. Talk about the book. How do we talk about the book without giving away ending spoiler type stuff? I think maybe what we'll have to do is save some of that for our In the Dome section later on. So, why don't I start with, why did you want to read the book before watching the showing? Well, I had heard, well, one, I wanted to be in the know because when i did fringe casting and lost casting of course those are not based on actual novels so i was spoiler free as much as possible but with under the dome i wanted to get some background information and really be totally ready on dome day then of course about the time i started reading under the dome via audiobook 34 and a half hours of audiobook but then again it's only about 18 hours if you play it at double speed wait wait wait! i thought we said we weren't going to do math <laughs> <laughs> well, that was pre-done. I'm not doing it live. Let me there tell you, you I'm go. not doing the math right now. <laughs> We'd be all over the place with that one. But I wanted to go ahead and about the time I started, I found out from some people who wanted to keep me spoiler free about what was going on in the book. But they did want to tell me, you know, on the TV show, here's some articles that I just found where, you know, the ending's going to be different than in the book and a bunch of other stuff is going to be different with Stephen King's blessing. So it may or may not be spoilery to read the book. You know, parts of it will be and parts of it won't. Yeah, I mean, I think what will happen is it'll be a general adaptation based on kind of the characters and the philosophy and the mission of what Stephen King was trying to get across in his context of this story. But I think the mechanism in which the story is delivered is where TV, I think, could take it to a whole other level that you're not able to see in the written form, especially with special effects. Um, you know, and you have that really good close up 
you know, face focus on characters and just what they can t- right. talk about with emotions and their eyes and their movement. So I think it'll be a different way that the audience will connect with the material and then they just need to figure out what's the vehicle to tell the story through the small screen versus the page. And it's going to definitely be very mysterious, even just from the promos. And speaking of mysterious, how was it you read the book? Because I saw, thought I saw some posts that you were reading. And then next thing I knew, you were mentioning listening. Did, were you doing both at the same time? Well, I had a very uh, whirlwind Father's Day weekend. Let's just put it that way. Went up and actually saw uh, my father-in-law, one of uh, my sisters by marriage um, was uh, graduating. So she had a graduation party all the way back up in Cheeseland, good old Appleton, Wisconsin. And I had this three hour drive up and three hour drive back. And I was just like, man, this six hours could be spent so much better if I had a 34 and a half hour audio novel of this fantastic book. And so I used my free credit at audible.com to get my copy of Under the Dome so I could listen to it as I drove six hours this past weekend. So I, I did read at, probably at a much faster pace than the actual 2x speed uh, really? reader was um, just because you're able to like I, when you're reading it, you know, there's stuff. Stephen King's book is long. I mean, my friends have read 112263 and some of the other works. This is a big book. And to try to figure out how to get this in in two weeks is n- nothing short of a miracle, you know, by far. So if you can do the audio book in 17 hours you know, great, great option at the 2x speed because I finished off parts four and five, which is basically like the climax and the denouement of the book Mm -hmm. um, via the audio version just because I had to get it done so we could get this show out before the show aired next Monday. You're a trooper, Troy. And I did finish it. It was awesome. I mean, the the ending. So let's talk about the ending really fast. Not any details, but I think we both from some of our friends that were trying to keep us spoiler free said, if you read the book and you get to the end, you're going to be disappointed. And how do they know that we're going to be disappointed just because they were disappointed? Yeah. It's like yeah. telling somebody that hasn't seen Lost, like, Oh, when you get to the end, you're going to be disappointed because Lost was terrible. They didn't tell you anything. They didn't answer anything. Not you know? true. And it's those kind of people that I think is going to, we're, we're going to get out ahead of this show. Right. Um, so I think what you're going to find out is that I was reading a, a TV guide article today where they're interviewing Jack Bender and Jack Bender, obviously being from lost and Brian Vaughn worked on lost. Um, so he was saying that as he was reading scripts and just wanting to decompress from his lost days, that, um, when this script came in for under the dome pilot one one he read it and he said, this is the first thing he connected with really well since reading JJ Abrams pilot for lost. And it had a lot of the same kind of, you know, big, you know, opening sequences, if you will. You know, yeah, I mean, there's a plane crash. Granted, it doesn't land on a beach. It lands in a small town in Maine. <laughs> now, is that but, why the episode is entitled Pilot? Because of the poor guy flying the plane? Or does he become a guy after the plane? I mean, there's just, from what we've seen in the trailers, I mean, very much Pilot left. No. <laughs> they have to come up with a different title because the pilot's gone pretty quick. <laughs> I jest. But... You know, I think that's what's interesting is that you have Jack Bender tied to Lost. This is the first thing that kind of trips his trigger. So I think as I read the book, you know, it really clipped along like a giant truck down Route 119 at breakneck speed until you get to like that last kind of four chapters in, you know, whatever it is, part 26. (laughs) And then it just kind of like smashes right into the dome and it's done. And you're like, what? Huh? I don't get it. 
Yeah. And it, and then you have to sit on it for a little bit, you know? So it, it was like lost. It was like lost ended. Everybody cried quite a bit during the end. Um, I know I did anyway. Even oh, me too. I, I cried when Jimmy was crying, when Jimmy came on afterwards. Um, but, you know, I think you had to sit on it for a day before it really kind of sunk in and finally came to the realization of, huh, it's not about the dome. It's really about, duh, 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 duh. you know, don't want to give away anything for lost for anybody that hasn't seen it. But, you know, it's not about the island. It's about the journey. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. And I think that's what I got out of reading the book is that I'm really excited to see these characters that have kind of come to life on the page really come to life on the small screen. You know, we've really gotten to know Big Jim. I mean, this guy is just a nut job. In, unless I mean, they totally change him for the TV series. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, it's really exciting to sit there and go, man, in the book, Big Jim is really a big bad, you know. And then you talk about nut jobs. His son, Junior, is really whacked out. <laughs> Family you know? issues. And, you know, and it, it'll be really interesting to see where they take the direction of these characters. It's a really intriguing story that... Stephen King stretched out to 34 and a half hours in the audiobook. I honestly, I think it could have been cut in half, even just taming down the graphic nature and the profanity that alone could have cut the book down by about 30%. It could have. So here's, here's my stance. Yeah. I believe in, in a certain faith and everything. And I have, you know, morals and, you know, religious, you know, aspirations to certain kind of standards, if you will. And because of that, you know, I think that there is a place and a time for certain things. You know, I don't want to call out like Game of Thrones, right? You know, overly sexual, over nudity done, you know, but then there's like period pieces where you kind of expect it to be because it's there because it's the period piece. So, you know, was there a lot of profanity? Was there a lot of graphical explanation in the book of everything? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Did it need to be there? No, I didn't. some of it, some of it. Yes, I would say some no, of it was no, just kind no. of like, you know, thrown in there just to throw it in there, I think. But, you know, yeah, it probably could have been toned down maybe a quarter, not maybe in half. I mean, yeah, I'm, a quarter. I'm, I'm listening to the audio book at a pretty good volume. And, you know, I'm pulling up to the drive through at uh, the local Del Taco, get my fish tacos and oh, I better turn this down because because uh, <laughs> we've got Junior and he's accusing Barbie of, of st- anyway that was just my thought you know but we made it through the book and i'm really you know as lot i know a lot of people love stephen king he's the favorite author of a lot of people and i do want to read or listen to the dark tower series because people tie it into loss so much but at the same time that was a long that was a long long book and i'm mostly looking forward to the tv miniseries and i think we've already hinted at this at the podcast so when you're reading the book, um, we won't give too much away here, but the book takes place basically over, I'm trying to do the math, and again, we said we wouldn't do math on the show. It's tough to do it live. But I think it's eight. I think it was eight or nine calendar days in the book, I think is what I came out to as I was you know, keeping tally marks on the side um, on my bookmark because I was doing it on the uh, iBooks version. Oh, and okay. so... And what we've heard is that they're going to do one calendar day per episode. So being that it's a 13 episode at the periods in time for one season, maybe two, three, four, who knows. But, you know, so we're going to definitely have 13 calendar days if they go with that concept. So we're already plus five. 
from where the book ends. So it'll be interesting how that plays out and what the methodology of the dome and the methodology of the character interaction is going to be to stretch it out another five days. Because uh, it, it probably could have gone longer in the book. Oh, um, absolutely. I think, it was, I think it was creative how they you know, helped the people at the end of the book. And that probably could have helped them for the long term, as long as they had food supply and things of that nature. But um, it was definitely, you know, I definitely think that there's a lot of lost comparisons. You know, if, especially if you are a true losty that enjoyed it for what it was, you know, call it a second religious experience, if you will. But there was definitely a connection with the characters. And you talk about, you know, on Lost, you talk about Jack and Kate and Aaron and Charlie and Claire and Lapidus and um, Jacob and the man in black. And you, I mean, you talk about these people like they're your friends. Oh, absolutely. You know? And even I, and Benjamin I could, Linus, even Benjamin Linus, but probably not big Jim Rennie. No, no. But the, you know, the people that are the survivors of the dome, I mean, you're really pulling for them in that last part of the book. I mean, it's like, how the heck are they going to survive this? I mean, it was just like, and, and we'll save it for a little bit later, but there are just some things that special effect wise, if they go the way of the book, oh my gosh, that's going to look incredible on TV. Right. Just and, incredible. And we're going to have some of the details on things like that a little bit later. But I will say that uh, I did see a behind the scenes piece with Stephen King where he talked about the special effects are going to be pretty top notch and things are going to visually blow us away. So I, for one, am ready. Because on a side note, I love Once Upon a Time, my favorite show that's on TV right now. And I haven't seen Under the Dome yet. And Once Upon a Time could really up their special effects. I'm glad you said that because I was was waiting to see where you're going to go. Because there are definitely green screen effects in Once Upon a Time (laughs) that I am like, I can tell it's a green screen. And it's even worse when you're watching it, especially on these... LED 240 hertz, you know, 42 plus inch televisions, you know, where the detail is so good that you watch an uncompressed HD signal over the air like I do. And you're like, man, that is just really not good. Yeah. So Stephen King says we do not have those particular worries with Under the Dome. He claims that it's going to be epic in that fashion with the special effects and the scenery and everything that's visual. And at the very end of the audiobook, there's also that little. Uh, piece of Stephen King talking in the afterward, talking how he hired um, experts to really help him with the writing of the book to try to get all of the background information right to make some of the medical and other things in the book as accurate as possible. So uh, I have very high hopes for this show. Very, very high hopes. It's almost like he had his own writer's room for the book. You know, so he could have that continuity, you know, kind of like the lost dictionary. He almost had the under the dumb dictionary. And, and, you know, and he even had his previous work because at the same time, he, he tried to write this a couple of times back in the past. You know, exactly. the one time I thought I, I saw it was like they were trapped in an apartment building or something was one of the manuscripts and it became zombie cannibalistic. You know, and he was like, oh, no, people aren't going to read that. That's a little over the top. Yeah, so enough even, of the even Steven's got a filter sometimes. But <laughs> and not much it, of one. But wasn't it about 10 yeah. or ten or 15 years ago? Wasn't he walking near his home and he got hit by a car? So I don't know if that 
that can change someone's perspective. I believe that happened to him. And he used to, at least used to, he said he always listened to hard rock like ACDC when he was writing a novel. Now, of course, that's like 15, 20 years ago. I don't know if he still does that, but it's just kind of interesting. I would picture myself now and then picturing Stephen King writing this. And I'm like, is he still cranking out the ACDC? Did he take a break and go walk down the street, but watch extra careful for cars? I don't know. I don't know. But so uh, over, overall, scale of zero to 10 decibels. And no, you cannot turn it up to 11. Okay. No spinal tap here in Stephen Kingland. Okay. No, zero to 10. Where do you rate the book? Just the book, which may or may not have much to do with the television series, aside from inspiration. The book itself, as it is, I'd give it, uh, I'd give the first half of the book a four and the second half of the book a six and a half. Interesting. How about you? What say you, Troy? There were parts in the beginning that were definitely long and drawn out. And you're like, where is this going? But if you look at the book as a whole, I really like the amount of backstory they went into, uh, specifically because it was really interesting to find out the depth and breadth of these characters. So if you take the book on its face value, you know, yeah, I could agree with the four just because it was really long and really slow getting to basically 24 parts just to get to part 25 and part 26. Um I'd give it a seven overall. Oh, okay. You know, it, That's I mean, fair. It, considering the fact that I don't read, it, I mean, other than, you know, web articles and Twitter and Facebook and, and, and this things, book didn't have very many pictures in it. There were zero pictures <laughs> except for the map, you know, which they described in detail as you read the book also. So you didn't really need the picture of the map. So you could have saved at least one page. And I didn't have any pictures with the audio book, but I did get a mental picture when they were talking about the town and the layout and everything. So for those that haven't read the book and don't know the layout of the town, and we don't know if this will be the case in the TV show, but it's basically like a boot, like Italy and not a boot like Canada. (laughs) Not to pick on the Canada people, since I do have friends up there and have been to Toronto and love it up there. Um, and Rochelle is actually from Montreal. We found out on the Ferguson, uh, Craig Ferguson show last night. Indeed. So yeah, it's basically a boot. So it's like the, if, it's like if you looked at the sock and the heel is on the upper right hand side and the toes are on the lower left hand side. If memory <laughs> serves me from the map. I've never and thought it, of it that way. <laughs> and it, and it does play a critical element of the shape of the town or how the climax actually takes place. So the, the shape of the town is actually part of the characterization of the story. However, on at least from the promos and extended looks uh, that I've watched about Under the Dome, I get the feeling that the Chester's Mill in the TV series is going to be two or three times the size of the one in the book. But that's just kind of a general feeling I get. And that was interesting when I was reading the book because that was like I kept trying to like put myself on the street, you know, uh, you know, on town Common Hill coming into downtown, coming by the Democrat, by the gas and grocery, by Romeo Burpee's department store, you know, and I was like, you know, how far away are some of these other places like the radio station, um, an apple orchard, you know, kind of in the upper quadrant of town, you know, how far away is, you know, TR 90, the neighboring town and Motten and one of the other neighboring towns. So I was really trying to figure out, you know, is it two miles? Is it three miles? You know, how quickly could you get there on foot or by bike or by car? 
Um, so yeah, it definitely is a smaller area. So it'll be interesting how far they pull it apart to see if they can make, give it more space for television. You're going to think I'm pretty weird, but uh, for a little bit of the time, I was picturing the uh, Western town in uh, Back to the Future 3, even though obviously this is more of a modern day piece, but I was picturing that kind of small town. Huh. Like you said, kind you're going to think I'm crazy. A little bit. <laughs> I dare won't call you yeller, but you know, <laughs> McFly. So anyway, as far yeah. as the other good stuff about the book, we're going to do that in just a little bit in the more spoilery section at the end of the show. Cause that's how we're going to be doing things. Uh, once the television's uh, mini series premieres, we're going to have our in the dome section at the very end of the show for people that want to call in feedback that have maybe read the book and are watching the TV show so they're not maybe accidentally giving away spoilers or things that turn out, may turn out not to be spoilers after all. So we are going to start their tradition with this episode in just a little while. Were there other general things about the, uh, the book as far as something that's not going to be in that section that you have right now, Troy? I would say at this point, being that we're, gosh, T-minus four days or so from uh, when you actually are listening to this podcast, recording this podcast, um, I would say at this point, if you haven't started reading the book, unless you really got 17 to 34 hours, depending on how fast you can listen or read, um, <laughs> I would hold off and just enjoy the TV show for what it is and then go back and read the book post season one completing. Yeah, it would be really interesting to read the book after the miniseries. That's usually how I do things is when movies are based on books. A lot of times I'll see the movie, then I'll read the book and but this time I'm doing things the other way around. I think this is the first time I've done that as well. I mean, other than like Tolkien and stuff, because we read Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and all right. that stuff when we were growing up in school. But way you know, back in the day, back on paper, back when you had to get Chronicles of Narnia in all separate books, not just one giant volume, and you had to pay for them each individually. But we digress. We do digress. Now I've noticed the heat about. Uh, under the dome or the buzz, I should say has really been taken off, especially on Twitter lately is hashtag under the dome kind of the official hashtag that they're going with for now. That is what I have seen. So I think pound hashtag or whatever you want to call it uh, under the dome is definitely the official. If you're talking about the show, that's what you want to use. If you're talking about our show under know, the pound, dome radio, under the dome radio, uh, we would go with pound U-T-D-R. And yes, we know it spells utter <laughs> when you look at it. But we wanted to keep it short, sweet, so that you can give us more feedback, give us more pointers. Exactly. Um, than trying to stretch it all out. Plus, you want to take pound U-T-D-R and pound under the dome in the same tweet. That would be awesome because then, of course, we get the exposure. That would be perfect. That That's the best way to go is to find a way to use hashtag under the dome and hashtag U-T-D-R in the same tweet. Great idea, Troy. Now, we don't know yet if Under the Dome is going to kind of follow, like a lot of other TV series have, the lead that kind of started with Fringe, where they would have different hashtags, official hashtags each week, like the last season or two of Fringe, that had to do with that particular episode. And if that well, comes I into play, of course, we would encourage everybody to use those as well. For sure, especially as you watch the show. You know, if you tweet with those special hashtags during the course of the show and we could trend, you know, the under the dome name and the under the dome show on things like get glue and Twitter, 
uh, much like the fringe uh, fringe annuity team actually did for fringe. I mean, we you know the fans are the ones that actually brought fringe back for a fifth season. Exactly. Uh, based on the exposure we got from the social media, so if they uh, if they do end up doing uh, unique hashtags per episode. Uh, definitely check in during the course of the episode because it definitely helps the show out and obviously helps our show out because as long as there's a TV show, there will be a podcast. Woohoo! This is all a good thing. So with that, we're going to go into our broadcasts segment. Again, this is where we kind of thank the folks who are helping get the word out to the outside world that doesn't know what we're dealing with here in the Dome. And we want to thank everybody who has uh, played one of our Under the Dome radio podcast promos in their own podcasts. As uh, for an example, Alan Joyce Kessel, good friends, Alan Joyce Kessel in their Tales from the Mouse House podcast dedicated to Disney and Disneyland and things like that. They played one of our promos and Stephanie Week on her TV Rewind podcast. Every week she talks about nothing but television every single week. And this week she was very kind to play a different promo of ours than the one she played the week before. So that's two weeks in a row that we made it onto the TV Rewind podcast. So that was good too. So we definitely appreciate that. And if we forgot anybody that played it on their show and we didn't know about it, let us know. We will correct that next time around. Also want to send out friends who mentioned Under the Dome Radio in their blogs. Uh, Jim Arrowwood, if you wanted to, and we'll have links. It, you don't have to write all these down unless you really like to write stuff down. Just remember underthedomeradio.com and we'll have links to um, Alan Joyce's show, Stephanie Week's show. But also our buddy Jim Arrowwood does a sci-fi blog and he's mentioned us a couple of times at Jim's sci-fi dot blogspot.com as well as patty b she does the the right geek w-r-i-t-e geek blog just go to under the dome radio.com and we'll have links to uh, those blogs and those podcasts so you can check them out as well and we got our first dome head photo submission and we're going to be uh including that in the dome heads section of our website. Uh, Loreen sent that in to us. She's a uh, travel agent at uh, sharp tongued consulting.com. And uh, she found a very creative way to get a picture of her under a dome for us. That was fantastic. Troy. I was really like looking at that and I'm like, is she taking a shower in that picture? What is that thing in the middle of the park? It's like a sculpture. <laughs> you, you'll have to go to under the dome radio.com dome heads and check that out or you can also uh she tagged us in the post on uh facebook as well if you go to our individual facebook pages and last night on the ferguson show that had rochelle on there in a little segment either right before that or after that he had some sort of animation with a cat that looked like it was wearing a dome on its head i did notice that (laughs) did you think of the show or did you just think this guy's wacky well, and he's got the Chrome Dome dude behind Ferguson, right? That skull robot yeah, thingy I, that he's got going on. It's, I don't get to really, stay up late and watch much TV, but I did set my DVR for that one. Yeah, I have to say I'm not a big um, Ferguson watcher either just because it comes on you know, much later than I'm way in bed before then. Uh, but I did watch and I was like, what? <laughs> what is that thing in the back? But, you know, Chrome Dome. We'll call him Chrome Dome going forward. There Let's go. go ahead and do that. If uh, other actors and actresses from Under the Dome appear on there. And I so. did notice that um, there's a bunch of new people out there on Twitter. Uh, so we're calling you guys all Dome Heads. We kind of came up with that on our own. And we mean it um, in a good way. Exactly. But there's a group of people that are actually in Wilmington, North Carolina and the surrounding area 
that have been extras on Under the Dome. Jealous. I found out that they're referring to themselves as domies. Kind of like homies? Homies, but domies. Oh, wow. (laughs) The home thing is just going to keep playing on. Oh, yes. Uh, Dome, sweet dome. But we do have a bunch of domies that are now listening to the show and getting the word out there. So domies unite. And uh, we are super jealous that by the time this goes out, you will be listening to this while you're waiting on the red carpet for the premiere event in Wilmington. Man, I would love to be at that. I'm going to have to just wait and watch it on TV, but I hope everybody has a great time that night because it's going to be the big kickoff for under the dome, the miniseries TV event that, I guess there's still word that maybe it could turn into a regular series. Too early to tell. We'll have to wait and see. Yes. But it's going to be exciting because it's 13 episodes, no repeats, in your face. Damn, nothing else to watch on Monday in the summer. There you go. My DVR is ready. It's it's on the list because it's just days away. So program your DVRs. And out of force of habit and due to a couple of experiences with Fringe early on in its run, I always program my DVR for these big shows. Tape an extra five minutes, just in yeah. case. I did notice on my TiVo that the pilot is clocked in at an hour five. I, I'm taping an hour ten. So I'm not taking any chances. Definitely pad, you know, or don't pad if you don't want to see the, you know, trailer for the following week. But that's if you do, true. If you do pad, just pause before they show you the trailer if you want to be spoiler, spoiler, spoiler free. Yeah, some people are so spoiler free they never watch the trailers. But that's one thing I always watch. I'm like, I have to. It's on the air. It's official. It's canon. They do some editing trickery, though. So you never know what you're really going to get. But uh, no, really? <laughs> boy, did we get fooled a few times on Lost. But, yeah, we did. <laughs> more than a few. Yeah, like every other week. So anyway, we do have some listener feedback we want to share with you. So we're going to head on over and at the tower is where it all happens. Hey guys, Chris here. Just want to say I'm really excited for Under the Dome. I've been a Stephen King fan for a long time, and I am just just hope that the writers of this series can do as good of a job adapting it as the writers of Game of Thrones have done with adapting A Song of Ice and Fire. Kind of on that subject, I'm wondering if Stephen King is going to write any episodes of this series. It's possible because George R.R. R. Martin, the writer of A Song of Ice and Fire, he usually writes about one episode of Game of Thrones each year, and those are usually the best ones. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to hearing more episodes of the podcast. Talk to you later. Bye. Chris K., thank you so very much for calling in or using the SpeakPipe widget at underthedomeradio.com. Chris K., frequent and longtime contributor for the Lost Casting, Lost Podcast, Fringe Casting, but this might have been one of the first times I've heard his voice. And Chris, if that's not correct, I apologize. But uh, excellent point. Have you heard any rumblings if Stephen King is actually going to maybe write or co-write one of the episodes of this miniseries? From everything I've seen online, all 13 episodes of season one are in the can without Stephen King. However, there was talk that if it comes back for season two, that Stephen (gasps) King will be writing at least one episode in season two. Excellent. So uh, Chris kind of has a feeling because Stephen King's one of his big authors that he really enjoys. So that would be pretty cool. And if nothing else, 
we do know that Stephen King has been on set a lot and has been kind of an advisor and all of the changes, like we mentioned earlier, that are different from the book uh, do have his blessing. So he's very closely tied to the show. So this is, it's going to be good. So Chris, just a question. Are you having visions of the future? Just wondering. (laughs) And as a lost and fringe uh, person, he probably is. I'm sure. Now back to the tower. I'm very impressed with under the dome podcast, man. Guys have fun. All right. Hello. This is Neil from Bruy. I just uh, listened to, uh, under the dome podcast number two. And right now here it is raining heaven's hard. And it just, uh, makes me wonder about, uh, under the dome, just, uh, how that uh, effect is going to be portrayed, uh, and whether any rain uh, is is going to be come through the dome or pool around the, the outside or or what? Anyway, it should be uh, interesting. That I don't have any other speculation about the show itself, but uh, Wayne uh, uh, was wondering about uh, the J.J. Abrams show. What about Brian, uh, which uh, had Rachel uh, Lefevre and who plays uh, Julia Shumway in Under the Dome. Anyway, J.J. Uh, Abrams was an executive producer of the show, and I thought it was a nice ensemble show uh, about various couples and uh, different stage- stages of relationships. Uh, Brian was played by Barry Watson, who's probably best known uh, from Seventh Heaven. Started as a mid-season replacement right at the end of uh, Alias's run, and it was a couple years into Lost's run. Uh, besides uh, Rachel, uh, there were uh, two other actresses who you might have seen uh, in recent shows. Uh, Tiffany Thiessen was only in five episodes, but she had an important role at the end of the series uh, in those episodes, and she's uh, currently plays Elizabeth Burke in White Collar, which is a real good show. And Sarah Lancaster was one of the prime actresses in the show, and she played Ellie Bartowski and Chuck. So anyway, if you want to see another Bad Robot production with an ensemble cast about relationships, uh, you can uh, give it a try sometime. I presume it's on Netflix. Uh, that's all. I might have to look for that. John, with a quick uh, feedback at the beginning, and then Neil from Bowie calling in uh, with us. What do you think there, Troy? I, I loved what about Brian when it was on, so I'm glad that someone else watched it besides me. Um, again, we uh, obviously, I think IMDb needs to put Rochelle's pronunciation on the page. Yeah, because I mean, I've, I've seen it pronounced like five different ways from Sunday. So I think we'll have to figure out, you know, you know some way to get in contact with people at IMDb to say, hey, just, uh, you know, put her pronunciation out there. That would come in handy. Rochelle Lefebvre. I think it was like, I think in the French, it's actually La Verre. Okay. But, I tried. you know, we, we, we've, we've grown up 16 years looking at the Favre guy, so. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's definitely Rochelle. So we've got that going. And Neil, thanks again for calling that in. And I might have to look for that What About Brian. I've never even heard of it. I've never watched it. And I did not have any idea that it was a J.J. Uh, Abrams Bad Robot uh, production. Where have I been? Under the dome. Well, that that's true because uh, he brings up an interesting point about the weather and, and it's going to be good to see how it may or may not play into it. But if there is any weather happening, we, of course, like they do on television, local stations will have dome watch 
2013. And give you all the latest uh, weather under the dome. Super Spycaster Radar. Oh, my. <laughs> Super Spy. That's what you have back there? In well, I'm sure, I'm sure there has to be something with Big Jim, you know, using the radio, or the radio station or TV station's uh, radar to spy on the town. Oh, we'll yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah, we, yeah he's definitely going to be that way. Hey, Wayne and Troy. This is Rick Snowdy, uh, Rick from Wisconsin on Twitter, calling for your Under the Dome podcast. And I'm not done reading the book yet, but I know you're going to talk about some things on the book. Uh, in the upcoming podcast. I'm not sure how spoilery you want to be. Uh, your other episodes so far, I know you've tried not to give away too many things. And uh, I like the idea of having a segment on the show where you're going to compare the two and, and kind of give a spoiler warning. Uh, I'm listening to it on audio discs from the library, and it's on, uh, I'm on disc 18 out of 30. So little more than halfway. I my biggest difficulty with this story is that I don't like very many characters. There's quite a few that I really dislike. Uh, there are a few good people in this town, but uh, seems like an awful lot of bad people in this town, and a lot of a lot of characters that I just uh, really are distasteful to me. I, I hope that when they adapt this into television, they can at least make some of these people more likable. Uh, some of the stuff in the book is definitely uh, pretty rough material for television, so they would have to tone it down or at least not uh, maybe have the events but have it not be as graphically displayed. Um, I, I guess... I do like a couple of the main characters, but um, I'm still waiting to see exactly where the story ends up because I've been disappointed before uh, with some books where uh, I don't really like the way the story ends. And I guess if this series is successful enough as the miniseries and they decide to continue it, um, they'll find a way to change whatever ending there is in the book uh, because if it's something conclusive, they would have to uh, open that up and, and allow for more story to happen. So uh, I am looking forward to to seeing the show and to hearing your podcast, but I uh, still have a few misgivings about this story. So thank you. Rick, Rick Snowdy, Rick in Wisconsin, thank you so much for calling in to 904-469-7469, sharing your thoughts of the Under the Dome mega novel that you're uh, over halfway through, disc 18 of 30, going the CD route. So, yeah, there's no way to listen at double speed, really, uh, without you know ripping them and all that good stuff. So you're making good progress, Rick, and uh, we appreciate your call. And you made a good point that I wanted to emphasize. This is something that hit me as well. The fact that you don't like many of the characters in the Under the Dome novel, at least so far, because you're a little past halfway, and there's a lot of bad people in Chester's Mill, in the story. And I agree. I had that same thought. You know, there's a few heroes, even early on, that we're starting to root for. But at the same time, there's a lot of bad people that I didn't care if terrible things happened to because they're just characters in a book. So we're going to have to see how things go later in the book as well as how it might be changed for television. And you had a very good description as far as some of the material in the book by calling it rough material. 
that uh, for broadcast television, even at 10 at night, they're going to have to do some things. I mean, it is CBS. We're not on HBO or Showtime, even though Troy had mentioned previously that uh, we thought that Under the Dome may have been originally thought to be a Showtime miniseries, but now on CBS. So we'll see how that goes. Greetings, Wayne and Troy, and congratulations on the early success of your Under the Dome radio podcast. And I am looking forward to hearing every future episode and am hoping to contribute often. I listened to Stephen King's Under the Dome audiobook last fall. As you are aware, it is a very long book and it took quite a long time for me to get through. I am a long-time fan of Stephen King's works and have read or listened to most, if not all, of what he has written. I cannot say that Dome was my favorite of his books, but it is in the top ten. One of the writing strengths I have always appreciated about Stephen King is his ability to paint mental pictures with his words. I can remember reading several of his stories, such as Cujo and It, that scared me half to death as I read them. I have also noticed over the years that many of his books that have been made into movies have not translated very well. For instance, the television miniseries based on It really left me cold. As written, Dome is awfully graphic at times to the point of being quite disturbing, especially those scenes that involve Junior Rennie. So what would happen in our reality if something like this were to happen? I think that King did a great job of speculating that the majority of people would indeed pull together in the beginning of such a crisis and then slowly become more interested in their own survival. For me, much of the Under the Dome story was a study of the downfall of Big Jim Rennie. He was happy to be the man behind the scenes getting others to do his dirty work for him until he believed that there were no more consequences for him to face. I actually think that he was happy for the situation because there was really nobody who could stop this hypocritical used car salesman. He knew how to use everyone to his advantage. But even he, who seemed untouchable and unstoppable, was betrayed in the end by those that succumbed to their survival instincts over their loyalty and sense of community. I am looking forward to the show on CBS on Monday evening and am a little more relieved that it will be on network television so the graphic nature of the book is toned down just a bit. Well, there it is. This is Kalis. Kapla. <laughs> Jim Arrowhead, thank you so much for adding that at the end of your brilliant listener feedback that you sent in a different way than everybody else, because this is always an option as well. Whatever works best for everybody, that's what we love. Jim went ahead and recorded an MP3, attached it to an email, and sent it off to the Under the Dome Radio Podcast at gmail.com email address. Now, Jim, if I were a fellow Klingon, I would say something in reply along the lines of, if you were to speak to me again like that... Worf would say it was a good day to die. And he would make sure that Jacques Rien, which is Klingon for Big Jim, would take care of the dirty work. But anyway, enough of the Klingon speak. Jim, excellent thoughts on Stephen King's Under the Dome novel. Uh, and go ahead, please go ahead and contribute often to the show. 
Excellent point. I agree totally. A lot of really good mental pictures described in the book. And Junior Rennie, not a nice person. It was interesting. You talked about some previous things of Stephen King that have been turned into television and movie adaptions, uh, like It. You said that It left you cold. Now, I had never read the novel It, but when it was first on broadcast television as a miniseries, what was that, around 1989, if I had to guess, it really freaked me out. I mean, I was freaked out for days about the whole clown thing and the balloons in the drains of the sewers and things coming up through the sinks and in the bathtub. It really freaked me out. It really, really did. I'm sorry that it left you cold, but maybe the book did more of an effective job of uh, freaking you out on that kind of thing. And great point to ask ourselves as we read these kind of books and watch the Under the Dome TV series. What if something like that were to really happen? How would people react? And I thought you explained it very well, talking about how at first everybody would kind of band together. And then, of course, after just a few days, people would get back to their own selfish, focused motives and things like that and focused on survival and all that. So, yes, and I totally agree with the comment you made that Big Jim definitely seems to be happy with this dome situation, even though eventually I would think everybody would be bound to die if something didn't happen with the dome. But for now, Big Jim's going to ride it out and take advantage of the situation like he takes advantage of just about everything. So agree with you yet again. And listeners, if you agree or disagree, let us know. Call 904-469-7469. Go to underthedomeradio.com and leave a voicemail feedback using the widget on the right-hand side of the screen or record an MP3, attach it to an email, and send it off to under the dome radio podcast at gmail.com. So with that, let's go ahead and head into the in the dome section of the show where we are going to talk about things that could be considered very spoilery. So if you want to be totally spoiler free, this could be a spot where you could end. And if you do, um, we do want to thank you at this time for listening to under the dome radio, please go ahead and subscribe, stay subscribed. It's always free. We love your feedback now in the dome. Tell us about some of these things that you wanted to say for this section of the show, Troy. What I find interesting about how this all played out is how much characterization there is for 24 parts of the book. And then for the last two parts, maybe three parts, we finally find out what is causing the dome. And let's just say it's a football team from the 1950s. I did picture football players in the descriptions. I did too. You know, I was like football players, you know, that didn't have eyes or mouths or whatever because they've been bashed in so many times. They look like hockey players. I didn't think of that. But, I just thought of the helmets. But obviously there is a sci-fi twist to it. However, it's not very sci-fi-y when you think about it because most of the book isn't really sci-fi. Most of the book is just character driven. I mean, it's stories about what these people have done and... Um, for those that have read the book, since we are in the dome, we want to just say that to me, if I read this book, again, coming from the fact that I love Lost, and I think Lost was probably our generation's mash, if you will. Um, but I think when you read the book, you find that the, there's, a, there's two camps. There is the group of people who are selfish, and there's a group of people that are selfless. And obviously, selfless wins in the end, if you consider it winning. Um, definitely very hefty, hefty price to pay. Um, there's something like, I forget what the number was, 2,000, 8,000 people in the town. 
And when all is said and done, let's just say barbecue is not the first thing I wanted to eat after the book was over. <laughs> no, that was a, a major, major death toll. Yeah, and, major. And, and I agree with what you had said a little bit earlier, how, you know, there's all these things happen and they're laying groundwork and laying groundwork and giving a few reveals. And then all of a sudden the very end end goes by so fast. I myself had the same reaction as you and maybe listeners, if you had the same reaction again, call us at 904-469-7469 and let us know. But all of a sudden I'm like, it's over. That That's it. What? What? <laughs> but at the same time, I think that's, what's going to make the TV show awesome because it was, it was literally over and done with, and there was no exploration of the, the it not to, you know, play on a Stephen King term, but the it didn't really kind of pay out very big. So is there an it, you know, that's kind of, you know, puppeteering this entire dome experience or is the twist that Brian Vaughn pitched to Stephen King just that much better that uh, we can come up with a new kind of paradigm for these characters to still have the same kind of backstory, character development, problems, issues that come out because they're trapped under the dome. But then maybe it's a different mechanism for what the dome really is. Or again, does the dome really matter? Is it really the character story that we should be falling in love with over the next 13 weeks? Yeah, I think you said it best, obviously. And we should keep our eyes kind of peeled for that type of thing and try not to get too sucked in to some of those things that we may or may not get a payoff about because, like you said, it's about the people, it's about the characters and how they act under these crazy conditions. And for one, when I was reading the book, you know, I felt bad for the fact that uh, one of the main characters was being railroaded and I also felt bad that so many of the saps in this town were able to be so easily, you know, kind of steered in the direction to believe the lies. And at the same time, unfortunately, that can be kind of realistic, the mob mentality and whoever has the big microphone first, you know, in the town can possibly steer the whole thing just the way they want. And I mean, and not to get political, but these people that are kind of, you know, ramrodding the town along through this crisis, you know, are kind of the political force in in Chester's Mill. And what does it say about those of us that are kind of lemmings, you know, just following along with whatever we're being told versus, you know, not to say that you should challenge authority, but you should definitely question and make sure you're informed about what is really behind the motivation of certain things in order to make a informed decision and not just kind of walk along off the cliff because you will be led to a, you know, visitor day barbecue. And that is not a good thing at all. Yeah. So those type of aspects, as far as what's causing the dome and who's behind it, that may or may not even be in the TV series. Uh, as far as like uh, big Jim's uh, financial operation, of mega proportions that's helping fund a lot of the things in the town and the things that he wants to do. I don't know if that's going to be a part of the TV series or not. We'll know in just a few days, at least hints of things that may or may not play into it. But some of the things that would be really cool to see along those lines, I mean, the explosion in the book, I mean, just visually thinking about what that would look like on TV would just be incredible special effects. I don't know how they would do that or bring that to life, but man, that would be just, I don't even know if you could do it on TV. It might even be just too much for broadcast. I mean, it was described very detailed and very big and man, it was a big explosion. 
I, I think, miles. yes. And I think they could do it on TV. You know, it's at 10 at night. And Stephen King said that, uh, we will not be disappointed in any special effects or visual things. And I'm wondering if some of the visions and things that people in the book had, if those are going to play into there, because they, there was some very, those were some of my favorite things in the book where the, the very descriptive and I could picture it totally the way Stephen King described it. Some of these visions and weird things that people uh, were seeing that we didn't know that if they were visions or just nightmares or seizures or what was going on, but they were so vivid. And the payoff of those was fantastic. I mean, it was when it finally came to you know fruition, you're thinking that it's something totally you know extraterrestrial, but here it's just literally premonitions of like three days out. You know, and when it finally happened, it's like, oh, that's what they were saying. So they're actually seeing into the future a little bit. So the question becomes, how were they seeing into the future? Were they collectively joined by the it? Were they just under some kind of you know, time-shifting paradox, if you will, because of the dome? So it'll be interesting how they play that out in the television show, if that's kind of like what they use as this new mechanism to tell the different story. And that's one of the aspects that really seemed very Lost-like. And then again, it could be one of those things that even if they introduce it into the TV series, they may not answer it. But don't worry. Your constant is always under the dome radio, and we will be here for you. <laughs> there you go. Just keep on listening. Uh, spread the word about the show. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, We've got big plans for this podcast uh, during this miniseries airing of Under the Dome and we want to have everybody along for the ride. The show's always free. Thank you so much for subscribing. Staying subscribed again. Uh, you can check us out, at, like Troy said earlier, Stitcher Radio. And a lot of the newer cars have the Stitcher app built into the console. You can listen to us that way. Listen to us on your smartphones, on your computer. You can listen through SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Downcast, um, upcast probably there's got to be one out there for all of that but find a way listen and we'll try to keep you informed and uh, make this show entertaining because after all television is entertainment so let's not take things too seriously let's remember to have some fun right so in that kind of vein if you will uh, we want to make sure that the dome heads are having fun with the show so of course we are still looking for some dome head uh, pictures so that we can put you on the dome head page of fame. So keep sending in those pictures like Lorraine did. Totally awesome picture. And uh, you can even take them if you order your uh, Under the Dome t-shirt or drinking out of your Under the Dome coffee mug from Cafe Press at underthedomeradio.com and uh, send those in. Or uh, we teased last week that we do have a YouTube channel up and running. So for this week, um, your assignment will be dome heads. Give us a short, quick, 30-second, one-minute, because obviously it's coming into the email, so we want to be able to have it come over the email so we could post it up to YouTube. But give us your initial reactions from the pilot. And we will, uh, as those come in, we can hopefully post those up on YouTube and uh, let you other dome heads see each other, because after all, we are all trapped under the dome. I think that's an excellent, excellent idea. And if you do that, we thank you in advance for doing that and attach it to your email. But also in there, maybe, you know, make a mention that, yes, please go ahead and post this to the Under the Dome Radio uh, YouTube channel. Share so that with the world. We want your permission. We don't want to just, you know, throw your name out there for the fun of it. But for the most part, if you call into the listener line or use the SpeakPipe widget or send us an email 
or uh, direct post on Facebook or Twitter uh, directed directly at us at the show. We, you know, we definitely want to share that on the show. So, we, uh, you know, that's what we're going to do. Awesome. <laughs> Way back in kindergarten, they taught me to share. So sharing, it, sharing seems to be the thing. Sharing is caring. And that could save your life under the dome. We'll see. We'll see. Just uh, make sure you clean the uh, plastic tube beforehand. No germs. No uh, spit swapping. Thanks for that, Troy. Thank <laughs> you. And with that, I'm going to announce that, you know, the propane, again, is running low. We can always use donations of propane. <laughs> or donations. Oh, there you, know. you go. The conversation doesn't end here. You can always find out the latest and greatest about Under the Dome Radio by visiting the website at underthedomeradio.com. You can also like our Facebook page and leave a comment at facebook.com slash under the dome radio. You can follow us on Twitter at UTD radio podcast and use the hashtag pound UTDR so we can find your tweets faster. Or again, just email us under the dome radio podcast at gmail.com. And of course, be sure to leave a great review over on iTunes. Absolutely. And share your lovely voices again by calling 904-469-7469 or go to underthedomeradio.com and use the SpeakPipe widget that's there. Yes, that's underthedomeradio.com. And don't forget, dome heads, like Troy mentioned just a while ago, we want to share your awesome photos of you wearing whatever you want to consider a dome on your head <laughs> in honor of the podcast and of the TV show. Send that in to us. But until that time, if you're looking for us around the mill, you can always find us lost out on the fringe, but still trapped under the dome. <laughs>